Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the fourth chapter of the letter of 1 John, beginning with verse 7. Hear now the word of the Lord. Dear friends, let's love each other, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God, because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us, and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in him and he remains in us, because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Throughout this season of Advent, our theme has been the gifts of Advent. Each week, we've talked about a particular gift as it has corresponded to the lights that we light on the Advent wreath. Week one, we talked about the gift of hope, that even during difficult times, dark times, we can trust, we can know, we can believe that God is present and that God is working and God is faithful. On week two, we talked about the gift of peace, the biblical word being shalom, not just the absence of violence, but the overall well-being of God's people. And last week, week three, we talked about the gift of joy and how this time of year there is so much joy to go around, but that the joy God offers is available throughout the year, through good times and through difficult times. These are real gifts to be received. They are real gifts to enjoy. They are yours for the taking. They aren't just words. They're not just themes. They're not just theological concepts. God wants you to experience hope. God wants you to live in peace. God wants you to experience joy. And then today, The greatest of the four gifts, the greatest gift of all, 
the gift of God's amazing, limitless, unfailing love for each and every one of us. John 1, 1 John rather, 4, 9, defines God as love. Just simply put, God is love. Love is God's self-definition. Love is the core of God's very identity. Love is God's fundamental disposition and motivation in all that God does, and it is the standard for all other loves. Famously, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 ends with the line, now faith, hope, and love remain these three, and the greatest of these is love. That's right. The Apostle Paul said that he preached for the church in Ephesus in chapter 3, verse 17, having strong roots in love, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length and height and depth together with all believers. I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge. What an interesting phrase that is. I ask that you have the power to grasp love's width, length, height, and depth, and I ask that you'll know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge. And then simply in Romans 8, 38, nothing can separate us from God's love. Love was a major theme of our founder, John Wesley. He believed there was nothing more important to understand about God or to live in our relationship with one another. Wesley wrote, there is nothing higher in religion than God's love. There is, in effect, nothing else. If you look for anything but more love, you are looking wide of the mark. You are getting out of the royal way. But what do we mean when we say that God's love is the greatest gift of all? What do we really saying? What do we mean by it? In fact, what do we mean by love at all? Is love just a feeling? Is it just a desire? Is it just a mood? We use the word in so many different ways. We use it romantically, of course. We use it in families to, to talk about our commitment and our affection for one another. I also say that I love a good pizza. I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I love Reese's peanut butter cups and a number of other things. What can it possibly mean when we say God loves us and that that is the greatest gift of all? Well, all love, all love finds its origin in God. And yet God's love itself is richer and deeper than any other love we can experience in this world. Think for a moment about the purest experience of love you've ever had. Who is it that has loved you the most or that you have loved the most? Maybe it was a love you share with a spouse. Maybe it was a love you received from a parent or as a parent for your children. Maybe it's a love shared between siblings or friends or here at church. However great that experience of love has been or is, God's love is even greater. I am so fortunate to have come from a loving home and a loving family. And yet God's love is even greater. I can still remember 
uh, the day I married my wife, Kelly, standing right here at this altar and the love I felt for her then and the love that has grown over the last 31 years. And yet God's love is greater. I remember the love that I felt for my children instantly at their birth. And yet I know God's love is even greater. As a pastor, I've been fortunate to know and love and be loved by a great many people. And yet I know even cumulatively God's love is even greater. Can can I get a little mushy with you for just a minute? I haven't asked for permission to do this, but I just have to go here. Kelly and I have been married 31 years, and I love her more today than I ever have, and I love her more than I ever knew I could love anyone. But I often find that when I'm trying to express my love for her, to her, that it feels like I fall short. I've said the words, I love you, over and over and over, and I mean something more than I feel like the words express, and so I'm always looking for a new way to say it, a new way to write it, a new way to express it, and I'm a guy that works with words a lot, and my words always feel like they fall short. This time of year, looking for the gift that will communicate the depth of my love, and every gift feels like it falls short. And so if I, standing before you this morning, can't begin to feel like I can adequately express the love I have for my wife, how can I possibly express to you as a preacher the depth of God's love for you, which I know is even greater? And yet I will try. God's love is God's fundamental disposition toward each one of us. God is for us and never against us. God's love is always for our benefit. That's just the way God's heart is designed. God's love for us is 100% unconditional. It is unlimited. It is permanent. It is everlasting. It is never ending. It is unfailing. Before you and I even came into existence, God already knew us and loved us. And throughout our lives and to our deaths and beyond, God loves us with an unwavering love, an unchanging love, a love that's unaffected by anything we do or don't do. And God's love is absolutely free. It is a gift. It is unmerited. It is undeserved. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more than God does, and there's certainly nothing we can do to make God love us less than God does. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you. The Song of Solomon tells us that God's love is as strong as death, unrelenting as the grave, that rushing waters can't quench love, that God's love can't be washed away by mighty rivers. Now this is different than the world's love. We've all experienced a bit of the world's love, and it is a beautiful thing. But oftentimes the world's love, the love we experience in this life, is conditional. It's temporary. Sometimes it's contingent. So oftentimes the world's love is based upon my worthiness or my desirability or my lovability or my condition or some condition of love. I'd love you more if your IQ was higher or if your BMI was lower, whatever it might be. 
oftentimes our love in this world is limited. Sometimes it's carried with the word if. Henry Nouwen says the world is filled with ifs. The world says, I love you if you're good-looking, intelligent, and wealthy. I love you if you have a good education, a good job, and good connections. I love you if you produce much, sell much, and buy much. There are endless ifs hidden in the world's love. But God's love isn't like that. God's love doesn't have ifs or buts. God's love is a pure gift, no strings attached. Before we even knew of a God who loved us, God already loved us. On our good days and our bad days, God loves us. God loves us for all that we are, all that we aren't, and all that we possibly could be. God loves us for all that makes us lovable and for those things that make us a little less than lovable. God loves us for all that we've done, sometimes in spite of all that we've done, and even for those things that we've left undone. God loves it when we love God in return, but God loves us even when we don't. God loves it when we worship and pray and serve, and I think God loves us even when we skip church, not that any of us ever do. God loves us. God loves us. God loves you. God loves you, period, end of sentence. You are loved. Anne Lamott writes, trust me on this. We are loved out of all sense of proportion. Yikes and hallelujah. How great is that? I wonder, when, when was the first time you experience that kind of love? When have you felt the depth of God's love for you? Have you? I believe God certainly wants you to. I know you've heard about God's love. You've heard it from me. You've heard it from other pastors. But I'm asking when you've experienced that love. God wants God's love to be experiential. That gift of love that God gives us, I think, is essential to our whole sense of identity and self-worth. In fact, I'm not sure we can have a complete or healthy identity or self-worth without understanding the depth of God's love for us. These gifts that we've been talking about of, of hope and peace and joy are rooted in knowing that God loves us and that God is for us. It is a gift that is ready and available to you for the taking. There is a hymn that was written, we believe, in the ninth century. In Latin, its name is Ubi Caritas. The longer title is where true love is found, God is there. Where true love is found, God is there. And it's this time of year that we remember a very specific expression of love true love that was born among us, but in a foreign place, a faraway time, in a distant land, when Quirinius was governor of Syria and a, and a great national census had been called. True love can be found in a little town of Bethlehem that was overcrowded and wasn't ready to receive a, a, an expectant mother ready to deliver. 
True love is found in an animal manger, the only place they could find for Jesus to be born. True love is found between two young parents who probably barely even knew each other very well, and yet had committed themselves to raising and loving and nurturing the Savior of the world. True love is found here. John 3.16, God loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Or in the words of the Christmas carol, love came down at Christmas. Love, a lovely love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. How do you know when someone loves you? Oftentimes I think we know that we're loved when someone shows up. If a friend calls you in need, what do you do? You show up with a hug or a shoulder to cry on or a casserole dish if you're a really good Methodist. How do we know someone loves us? They show up. And think about this time of year. We, we celebrate showing up. Why, why on earth do so many people travel this time of year when there's more expensive flights and blizzards to delay us and lots of people traveling? Why do we go to the trouble? Because love shows up. Why do we work so hard to send so many Christmas cards and notes and letters and the perfect gift? Why? Because love shows up. Why is it people volunteer more at this time of year than any other time of year? Is it because there's more need at Christmas? No. It's because something about this story stirs something in us and love does what? It shows up. Why do we gather so much this time of year when we're already so busy? Because love shows up. And how did God ultimately show his love to us? God showed up in the person of Jesus. He showed up in human flesh. Nadia Bowles-Weber describes the birth of Christ as the embodiment of perfect love. Isn't that a great phrase? The embodiment of perfect love. It lines up perfectly with our scripture today. 1 John 4, 9. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. Each week as I prepare the images you see on the screens, I, I make them and then I have to send them to Mason to, to end up in the system. I don't even know how it all works. Uh, but to send him those images, a step that I have to take is I have to compress the file. The image itself is too big. I have to compress the file so that it can be emailed. And it occurred to me as I was compressing today's files that isn't that what happened at Christmas? That a love that is as vast and deep as the oceans was compressed into just a few pounds of human flesh. God's ultimate act and expression of love is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. When God wanted to show us that God is love, he did, through, so, did so through the conception, the birth, the life, the death, the ministry of Jesus Christ. In his embodiment, in his coming, Jesus closed the gap between heaven and earth. He closed the gap between human and divine. He showed us that the nature of love is to seek, 
Just like a shepherd seeks a lost sheep or a father seeks after a lost son or a woman seeks after a lost coin. God seeks us through Jesus by coming to us. Jesus reveals God's deep desire to be known and to know us intimately, personally. He shows us how to live fully into God's love. And that embodiment, that enfleshment, that physical presence among us potentially changes everything. Rather than trying to attempt to to please and appease a distant God that we can't reach and can't know and maybe even fear a little bit, now that God has come close. In Jesus, God is now knowable and nameable and relatable and maybe even imitatable. In Jesus, we discover that in God, in God's love, there is limitless mercy and forgiveness and grace and meaning. Michael Curry writes, when God, that loving benevolence behind creation, whose judgment supersedes all else, is factored into the reality of life and living, something changes for the good. When we discover how much God loves us, something changes for the good. Well, we've established in an in in insufficient way, I know that God loves us. That God's love, love for us is undeniable, unquestionable, automatic. Whether we know God, whether we love God in response, God loves us. Yet love is essentially relational, isn't it? I can love you without you loving me, but there is something about the beauty of love that is reciprocated. Love comes to full flower when it is reciprocal. Love comes from God. Love is God's doing for us. Jesus coming in flesh is God's doing for us. As we've established, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love more, to deserve God's more but we can certainly respond. God loves with the desire and the hope that we will love in return. 1 John 4.15 says, If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. Friends, this is a gift to be received and to be cherished and to be held on to. We have it when we confess it. We have it when we know it. We have it when we believe it. And we have it when we respond in love as well. Donald Miller writes, believing in God is as much like falling in love as it is making a decision. Love is both something that happens to you, something you decide upon. What is your response to God's love? Reflecting on the experience of Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem where there was no room for them to to prepare for Jesus' birth, Dorothy Day asks or states, Christ is always with us, always asking for room in our hearts. Christ is always with us, asking for room in our hearts. Is there room for Christ in your heart today? Is there more room for Christ's birth this Christmas than there has been before? Are you ready to receive the depth of God's love? 
Though I know it's not the right season for this hymn, though I know it's not a Christmas carol, I can't help but think of the words of when I survey the wondrous cross. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering or a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let us pray. And as we pray, I'd like to invite you to to just open your hands in front of you as though you are receiving a gift, because indeed you are. God, I pray now that on each and every person here this morning that you would pour out your gift of love. I pray for the person who has known and walked in your love all of their life, and I pray for the person who doubts that you could possibly love them and everyone in between. May not one person leave here today without knowing your great love for them, period. We pray this in the the embodiment of your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.